Hi, it's Jay from the editing booth. I have a little bit of an explanation to give before I let you listen to the rest of this extremely long episode. Uh, we recorded for two hours and then we had a problem. Uh, so this episode is coming to you from the backup recording that I always do because I'm paranoid. So luckily, you can still listen to it. I have done the audio edit and it sounds fine. I'm not fancy about this podcast as you should know by now. However, if it sounds a little bit different from usual, that's why. Uh, I'm also editing on an extremely tight deadline because Diego and I have been extremely busy lately. However, things seem to be calming down, uh, so we have now wrapped up Dual Destinies. Uh, this is the last episode on the main game, and we have recorded a DLC episode, so we will soon be moving on to Spirit of Justice, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, that's all I had to say, really. Thank you so much for listening. I will let you get into the rest of the podcast. Welcome to Tenement Breakdown, a podcast where Diego and I replay the Ace Attorney series from start to the end of Dual Destinies. We have played now seven Ace Attorney games back to back. We still have the DLC for this one, but we have finished the main story. And uh, that's a lot of games. That's a lot of games. I don't know about you, but I got a lot to say about this one. <laughs> uh, I have exactly seven notes. Mm-hmm. And how many did I have? Uh, Six pages. <laughs> three of them are like unrelated, so I have three notes. <laughs> no, I have two notes. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's fine. I can just chill and listen to you. I'm gonna make. No, you... I mean I, I have. Things <laughs> to say. I remember things. I just it happened the same as last time. Mm-hmm. I think it was the last time. Uh, we were just like I don't wanna. Like half of it was I don't wanna bother to like. Because I'm, like, playing with my 3DS. I'm, like, laying down on the couch. <laughs> and it's... I mean, I can stand it, but it's a heavy one. Like, the new Nintendo 3DS XL. So I had to, like, keep on holding it with one hand and then grab my phone and, like, <laughs> write a note and then leave my phone and then write... And I'm already doing that for the walkthrough. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, thank you. But I remember stuff, don't worry. Well, we were talking about the notes and I said I have to wait and I have to get this on record because I had put like i had highlighted the notes at the beginning of the page and put them uh in black highlights so that you couldn't see them which apparently did not work when you were looking on your phone which is very funny um luckily they weren't too spoilery but all of those notes i had written when i was editing the last episode because one i said some things Mm. that i need to correct and two this case is basically a continuation of the last one and we've definitely oh, talked yeah. about that with i think some of the ones from the trilogy i can't remember exactly but this one was like yeah that this is the same case still <laughs> pretty much but yeah i mean overall i i really enjoyed it i thought this was a really good ending to dual destinies a game that i mean we've mentioned this a few times but has been pleasantly surprising yeah i had like mixed thoughts about like halfway in uh, of like some things that they weren't addressing at all, mainly with <laughs> Apollo. Like yeah. Apollo was still feeling like this character in the background, and Destiny was like yet another case of like the series not wanting to le- to like let Phoenix go, like at all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, which again I get, but the same thing happened in like the last game. Uh, and now it's like oh, but we changed the name. Like, Apollo isn't on the name anymore. And it's like, yeah, fucker, but you didn't do anything with, like, the previous <laughs> game either. Uh, and then they kind of turn it around. But all, all I'm going to say is 
the next game has to be an Apollo game. Otherwise, and from what I gather, it won't be. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll have some thoughts about that at some point later on. Um, you will. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think, um, I, I enjoyed this case a lot, but there was still a lot that I was like, I wish they'd done that better, you know? And there was ways mm. in which I was like, oh, they are clearly trying to do things the trilogy did and not succeeding. <laughs> For example, we had talked about in this game some of the characters like very obviously being the murderer um, or like appearing in that way that they design murderers. Like the most obvious example is Hugh O'Connor from the Turnabout Academy case. And uh, yeah. I got so carried away with that last time that I was going on and on about how, oh, it was really obvious. I might have cut this out the podcast because I think I stated it so much that I completely, like, when I was listening back to it, I didn't understand myself because I was like, what am I talking about? <laughs> um, but I mentioned that uh, Yuri Cosmos, like, he really feels like the murderer in that case. And of course he isn't because of this whole thing that happens in this case where they go on and, like, find uh, this phantom who had to do with the case seven years ago with Blackwell and also the case where Clay was killed. And so this case really focuses on digging into all of that and how that ties into Blackwell's storyline and Athena's storyline and to a less satisfying degree Apollo's storyline, which I'm sure I'll get to. Um, Mm. And so actually I thought it was really interesting what they did with Yuri in the last case, which is, you know, he did like a bunch of sabotage towards the uh the rocket launch and you know he was really suspicious and like he was lying on the stand and stuff but he did not actually kill anyone i definitely edited out the part where i explicitly said it was so obvious that he was the murderer because he wasn't the murderer but all of that to say i mean i mean i'm making um maybe you know trying to be too smart about me making a mistake but i thought it was really interesting that like they set him up to be really suspicious and then really he didn't do much wrong <laughs> so yeah. that was actually fun and actually it's similar to uh turn about academy in that way where you kind of really suspect you at first or like you don't really know what's going on with that mm. so yeah i wanted to partly correct myself and partly say that was a cool thing that kind of fed through from the last case into this one. And then the other thing that I wanted to pick up from the last episode was when the case ended, it ended with that uh, cliffhanger where the lighter that we presented had Athena's fingerprints on it. Um, And we talked a lot about how like it was frustrating because we didn't really want Athena to just become the defendant in this case. And I definitely still think that's valid, but I did quite enjoy Athena's part of this case. Having said that, you said in that episode, obviously I couldn't talk too much about it at the time, but you were like, yeah, we, we kind of know like it wasn't Athena, obviously. And that was true, but the whole, like when you were talking about that, I was like, God, can you imagine if they actually set it up so that like the person who was introduced <laughs> to this case is like the weird little girl ended up being like an actual killer. It would be really good, especially in this way where they like, you know, they're talking about this phantom and they're talking about like someone like pulling the strings from behind the curtain and stuff. But honestly, if that had been Athena, I would have really enjoyed this game. <laughs> Yeah, now that you're, like, explaining it, I'm kind of, like, imagining, like, them getting to, like, the last part of the trial and being, like, but who is the Phantom? And she having, like, a, you know, the usual, like, uh, thing. Having, like, a, I don't know, like, a breakdown animation or something. 
and you'll be like, oh no, I wasn't expecting this. That would have been cool. Yeah, exactly. Like the way that it's set up in this case where like when we get into it, like uh, the case from seven years ago was her mother's death and like there's a lot of stuff about like did she kill her mother and like, you know, have traumatic amnesia about it, stuff like that. Like obviously I'm, I'm glad that they didn't make it like, oh yeah, she like that did happen. But I think that if it was like she was very calculatingly like, you know, like the Phantom is in this case. Um, I think that would have been really fun. <laughs> Uh, maybe you know a seven. They should do that. Yeah, they should be bold. That's my take after doing this. They should start <laughs> being a bit bolder. Yeah, and the other thing I want to mention about that Athena thing and with the lighter is I mentioned in the last episode. Once again, going back to that, this is the last thing that I have to say about it. Is actually there's there's one more thing after this, but the last major thing is I had mentioned like oh yeah, a lot of this plays better when you know what's coming, in my opinion. And my favorite part of that was Phoenix presenting this lighter that he had found without like verifying any information about it and stuff, and it ending up being forged evidence. And it's like. Phoenix did not learn anything from Apollo Justice, apparently, and I wish they'd actually, like, dug into that more, because it, he almost, like, sent Athena to jail based on forged evidence, and if they had built on that based on Apollo Justice, it would have been so much better. <laughs> yeah, they basically leave that bit for, like, the very last, I don't know, 15 minutes, and it's kind of like, okay, but by now, you should have, like, the tradition of, like, double-checking evidence. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then the final, um, little thing, which I, I wrote twice, I guess, because I had the thought twice while editing the podcast, and then I didn't, I couldn't see it because I had blacked out my own writing, um, was, uh, your thing at the end of the episode where you were like, I'm pretty sure the black hole would destroy the moon, and I was like, we should come back to this. Uh, I think this case related to me was a six-hour investigation into whether or not black hole would destroy the moon, and I feel like he wouldn't based on how important moon rocks were to this case. Yeah, no, he won't. <laughs> so, that's me catching up on everything that I thought about while editing the last podcast. Now, everything that I thought about while playing the case. <laughs> I mean, this makes sense because, like, given that the case is a continuation of the previous one, you're doing the same thing, it's kind of like meta. It's cool. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's totally my intent, to mirror the narrative arc of this game. Um, but, uh, like many cases, it starts with an anime cutscene, and again, they are using their M rating. It is very creepy. I think it's mostly, like, the same as the flashbacks that happen in the first case, with Athena, like, like, child Athena being surrounded by blood. Um, mm. and then we have another one with Apollo sort of being dramatic. I don't really remember what was in that one to be honest um and then uh we get a little another little trucy conversation which we have mentioned several times through this podcast um she does not do anything in this game and it's disappointing yeah i was expecting uh i was expecting that and then there were like oh remember this one i mean i don't have any like bad blood against girls mm. uh but they were like remember this character now she's the weirdly girl. Right. Of, for like 20 minutes. And it's kind of like, okay, fine. It was literally that was like, weird. It was literally like... I'm here to clean. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, it was super annoying. It was like, well, oh, we've had Athena taken away because she's the defendant now. So like, she can't be the weird little girl. So I guess we'll use Trucy. But then they were like, oh, we need like, I guess something dramatic to happen. So we're going to get Trucy to be kidnapped. <laughs> and like, Phoenix... I saw a post about this recently and I have mixed feelings on it, but like I, I saw it before playing this game, this case, and it was talking about how much Phoenix underreacts to Trucy being kidnapped. 
Especially mm. when you compare it with uh, Maya being kidnapped in Ace Day 2. And I do agree, but I don't think it's that Phoenix underreacts. I think that it's that the writing is not as strong in general. Um, <laughs> because it's just like not... Like, this case really pulls from 2-4 in a lot of ways. Like, not only the kidnapping, but the whole fact that... I'm just gonna... I'm just gonna say who the fandom is. I don't think... Like, this this podcast has always been spoilery, but I guess I'm gonna put an extra spoiler warning on it, which is that I'm gonna spoil Dual Destinies. But uh, it turns out that uh, Fulbright, the detective, is actually an undercover spy who killed, first killed Metis Sykes, which is Athena's mom, seven years ago, and then killed Clay, uh, in this case. And and it's it's really trying to be Matt on guard, because it's this friendly mm-hmm. character who is like pretty like silly and goofy, and then turns out to be evil. But it, it really is not Matt on guard, is <laughs> the thing. No. It just doesn't have the same malice to it it doesn't have the same weight to it how it's written and the same it's similar with the kidnapping right i mean firstly it happens in part because phoenix just like lets uh her wander off like they're investigating together and then she's like okay i'm gonna go look for apollo who's like also hanging around and he just lets her wander off (laughs) and she's a teenager like i'm not saying she needs to be supervised at all times but like they know there's a phantom around and they know that there's like shit happening (laughs) Like, this is a murder scene? I don't know. It was a little bit... Like, there was two bombs that went off at that place, like, two days ago. Uh, It's a little weird. I think the writing... Actually, not just this, but there's a few moments where I was like, oh, yeah, they really just wanted to do this to be dramatic. And it just doesn't feel very earned, I think. Yeah, there's, like, basically, like, no stakes to the kidnapping itself. And you will think that the opposite will happen. Because they have, like, this brief moment where you can see in the background, like... Like a camera crew and a reporter on one side, like <laughs> reporting the the news, and then like a SWAT team, like basically like guarding the, the space station. And it's like, oh wow, yeah, something's happening. But the the main thing is kind of like, oh yeah, like robots have like turned against humanity because like Aura is like controlling them remotely, <laughs> basically. And it's like, okay, fine. Like I don't know. It didn't feel like at no point whatsoever I thought that Aura was like capable of like killing anyone. Uh, whereas with like the killer, for example, I was like, like now I'll know that maybe he wouldn't because of like principles or whatever, uh, <laughs> assassin's code. Uh, but at that point, I was like, I don't know, it felt dramatic in a way that this did. Yeah, like, it we... goes back to what you were saying about Phoenix. We had like the point of view of Maya, and she was like locked in that basement for like three days, being like, "I'm so hungry, I've got to like escape myself and stuff." So like that mm. made the tension way higher, which means that like there was a lot more. I think that helped a lot. Like, yeah, Phoenix definitely was acting a lot more um, stressed out in that case, for sure. And I I think the writing in that case is amazing, specifically because Phoenix is, like, so single-minded about, like, rescuing Maya and stuff. But it sort of makes sense that he's not in this one, partly because, yeah, Aura is not, like, it's not to kill her. And also, like, he's 
a lot older and although we don't necessarily get a lot of that Apollo Justice characterization from him he is like more jaded in general uh, obviously I'm not mm. saying that like he, he is like very very attached to Trucy and like I'm not saying at all that he doesn't care about her but I just think that he has like a lot more stuff to focus on in this case where like he's like also trying to deal with Athena and Apollo and like trying to like deal with this Dark Age of the Law stuff it makes more sense to me for him to be able to balance all of those things together and feel like Trucy is not in as much threat in that situation as Maya was in hers. Having said that, like, maybe that's also bad writing because maybe it would have been more dramatic or, like, more... Maybe we would have been more invested in it if there was, like, a, a reaction from Phoenix that was a lot stronger, you know? <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Also, like, it's worth pointing out, like, we talked last time about how, like, it's frustrating that Athena became the defendant because that's the thing that happens to Ace Attorney women. It's also frustrating that Trusa got kidnapped because that's the thing that happens to Ace Attorney women. Also, a big part of the plot of this case, or, like, uh, you know, sort of the character-driven parts of this case are about Athena... Uh, always putting on a smile for people, even though she's having a terrible time. Uh, there's a pearl line that says she held back her tears in order to give someone else a smile. That's so Athena. Oh, sorry, that's a Phoenix line. Um, but Pearl also goes on about this a lot. And that is also a thing that has been said about Maya and Trucy in Eighty Three and Four, respectively. And it's like, please give your women a different trait. Like it's it's weird to me hmm. the overlap between those characters. Like I know that they're all kind of filling the same sort of space in the narrative but then again there was no reason for Athena to fill that space like Athena could have been you know how Apollo is in this where he he is not the weird little girl and yet there she is you know <laughs> so a lot to think about when it comes to this case and the various women who are in it mm-hmm. I'm impressed by your restraint about not talking about that one character yet are we going through it? I'm doing it in order, okay? I mean, I have jumped ahead because I wanted to talk about Trucy's story more in general and about some other stuff. We're getting there. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so this is before this is before Trucy. Like I said, I was I was doing it in order slash thematically, and we haven't gotten to a thematic part. But anyway, uh, so we go to the. We go to the space center to investigate and we see Junie and Junie is like, oh, Athena grew up in the space center. And like I said, her mother, Metis, used to work in the space center and, you know, worked in the robotics program with Aura. And yeah, like, I thought that was really interestingly foreshadowed last time. Like, for example, when um, they go to the space center and Plonko, Plonko? Ponko? Is there an L in there? I don't remember. Uh, That robot is like... Uh, like recognizes Athena and you know has her in their database and she's like oh yeah I was there yesterday but if you actually you know that she wasn't so actually it's really interesting and uh yeah I I just felt like the way that they kind of set that up in this case uh, in the last case sorry was a lot more satisfying than for example Apollo and Clay where there was just no like that doesn't feel like personal stakes very much because there was no setup to mm. it whereas Athena's setup has been sort of seeded through this game and it feels a lot more of those personal stakes that we have mentioned many times are very good for making things feel more invested and also yeah the other thing that I really like about it is that the robots which were made by Metis have the same faces as um Widget so that's another way where like you could tell that like straight away if you um... happen to notice it but it's not super easy to notice so yeah it's it's uh it's nice foreshadowing I think yeah on the other hand, we learned that Blackwill also knew Metis because he wanted to train in psychology to become like a more proficient prosecutor. But the problem is that like Blackwill 
apparently being good at using psychology in court is not like it's not noticeable at all. <laughs> I don't know. Did did you did you feel like it was? I don't know. I mean, he just like it's hard to say. Oh, he's manipulating the judge when the judge is so easily manipulated. Right. Like we've like, seen every prosecutor time. do what he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, uh, it's not like. I don't know, like at some point he does something with a witness and you have to like, you're like substantially like set back because of it or something like that. It's just like the the usual DNA of like trials is so established at this point <laughs> that it's kind of like them being like, oh, but you didn't talk about this or oh, you don't have evidence. Yeah. That's like, that's it. Yeah, like you saying that even reminds me of, remember in Ace Attorney 2 when Francisca like manipulated Adrian Andrews into pleading the fifth? Mm. Like, Blackwell doesn't do shit like that, you know? But, you know, we learn we learn that backstory about how um, him and Metis were pretty close and then obviously he was accused of her murder. Well, not just accused, but convicted. And we also find out that he is going to be executed tomorrow if he doesn't get found innocent. And I think it's a bit later on, but we basically learn that Athena doesn't believe that he did it because when he testified at the trial, she could hear the discord in his heart. That's the phrasing that they use, which is very funny to me. Mm. But she doesn't believe his testimony, basically. Like, he admitted to it on the stand, but she doesn't believe him. And that's why she became a lawyer, and that's why she went to Europe and became a lawyer at 17 or whatever, because that's how Europe works. (laughs) And I, I think that's really interesting, actually, because we know from case one that she wanted to, like, save somebody, and that's why she became a lawyer, and, like, there's that parallel with um, Phoenix. But I also love the fact that, like, her and Blackwell have been pretending not to know each other this whole time. <laughs> and there are some <laughs> moments where I noticed where, like, they do um, obviously recognize each other, but it's not, like, made very explicit. So, again, it's just this foreshadowing. Again, like, just the way that Athena's story has been, like, threaded through the rest of the the rest of the game is really interesting. Uh, unlike Apollo. <laughs> Sorry to that man <laughs> once again, but... I know. It pains me more than I can possibly explain in this podcast. <laughs> do you want to try? I mean, that's what I've been trying to do this whole time. <laughs> no. Maybe towards the end. So, um, yeah, this is the point where Pearl shows up. We get a letter from Maya, and it has a little drawing of Phoenix on it, and I suddenly remembered the A-A-A-2 drawing that she made on Shelley Nicola's business card that Francisco was supposed to <laughs> give to Phoenix and never did. Again, it was very like, oh, yeah, these writers have definitely are definitely like trying to um, go after A-2's kind of vibe, and that's interesting because I remember saying the same thing about Investigations 2, so clearly that was the one that like the writers on later games really, really uh, enjoyed, which is fair. It's a very good game. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It still felt kind of forced to me, like the whole like pearl thing. Oh yeah, because yeah. it's like, oh no, I'm all on my own. Oh, what's this? A letter. Oh, hello, pearl. And I'm like, come on, it, it like all of this happened in like five minutes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it would have just like more interesting to like play as Phoenix without a weird little girl. Like see him like I don't know, worried about what would happen or like conflicted about. Oh, I'm not worried about one kid. I'm worried about three kids at the same time. Right, I don't know, like something stupid like that or something. Yeah, I agree. And like, it's weird because Pearl, like bringing her back is obviously like a little bit, um, like you say, if she wasn't here, the game could have continued easily and the plot would have Mm. been exactly the same. And I think actually your idea would have been way more interesting. So yeah, I mean, it would have been better. Whereas like, including her is more like a nod to people who have played the trilogy right and like yeah it's nice to see her back it's it's good 
like, I like her, I'm happy, like, you know, it's always nice to see a returning character. But then this game really tries so hard to pretend that every other game in the series doesn't exist, especially Apollo Justice, but the trilogy as well. And like, so why, like, if I'm going into Dual Destinies and it's my first game, I just feel like it must be so confusing, because on one hand, They've tried really hard to be like, oh, you don't need to know anything about the Mason system and stuff like that. But on the other hand, I have no idea who Pearl is. Like, why did she show up? I have no idea who Trucy is. Like, why do I care about her getting kidnapped? Like, okay, I understand that she's Phoenix's daughter, but like, I haven't really seen their relationship at all. <laughs> and even yeah. as I said that, I was like, also, Apollo and Trucy, they don't know each other, apparently, let alone like revealing that they're that they are siblings. By the way, I can now finally say it doesn't come up in this game at all. <laughs> yeah. Great. Maybe there's an optional dialogue in the DLC. Maybe. You know? <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine if they just like in the DLC, like, yeah, we just bring out on one line and they never talk about it again? Oh. Um Anyway, then Aura, we have mentioned this, but this is the point where Aura, uh, one, makes the robots go hostile to everybody, which basically she is just controlling them, and two, uh, kidnaps a bunch of people, including Trucy, and, like, her demand is basically- although, I don't really understand what her demand was in the first place, but Phoenix is like, okay, why don't you make your demand a new, like, trial for Black Will and we'll, like, play out like a trial- no, sorry, she- she was the one who said that. Um, we'll play out like a trial and then that way we'll be able to figure out the truth. And I really like this because I really like Aura's characterization in this case and in this game in general. Like Aura is a really, Aura is probably my favorite, well that's not true, Athena is my favorite Dual Destiny's character, but Aura is really good as well. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and, um, I really like this, I just like how far she'll go for Blackwell, right? Because I feel like we don't see like a lot of characters do really I, I don't know we probably do but like this is one of the biggest examples i can think of of like a character definitely doing something extremely illegal but like in a very justified way <laughs> like okay she mm -hmm. probably shouldn't have kidnapped trucy but like hey, it works out fine <laughs> like you say i really don't think that she is written as a character who would actually hurt trucy or anybody i don't know i i was really compelled by aura yeah she's a cool character i'm pleasantly surprised that she wasn't like a witness at all yeah. Uh, I mean, they had like this kidnapping thing, right? But it kind of, I kind of got like accustomed to like seeing like a new character in the investigation and be like, oh, this character is going to be a witness in like <laughs> right. Right, yeah. So that was interesting. And yeah, she seemed cool. Like the writing itself was interesting. And I'm glad that I didn't do like a full turnaround or something by the end. Being like, oh, yeah, I love the law now. <laughs> um, yeah. She's still kind of like, yeah go ahead and like help my brother but i still don't care about any of this so i'm glad like she that she's to her ground in that way yeah definitely yeah i don't know i i like her and i think like ace Tony has a really good we've definitely talked about this in one of the other episodes i can't remember which one it was but ace Tony has really good like sibling relationships throughout the whole mm -hmm. like every single game basically uh and this is a this is a good example of that especially like given we were just talking about how they've completely fumbled the ball in this game on apollo and <laughs> trucy this having this one is pretty <laughs> nice still and um i guess i can talk about it now as well like it feels to me like the relationship between blackwell simon blackwell and athena is like a sibling relationship as well because they talk about how oh, yeah. blackwell like really looked up to meta sykes and was like I considered her a kind of mentor, basically. They talk about it in, like, weird samurai terms. I'm not gonna do that. But, like, <laughs> obviously, 
had like a great deal of respect for her as a teacher and then like was very protective of Athena and very um like we will get into the details I'm sure but like what happened seven years ago was like a very much a thing about protecting Athena and then like in the trial like they end up like really working together in that very it's turning way of being like the prosecutor and the defense should work together and like strive towards the same thing and it's it's probably the best it's ever been actually like played out in practice except for a couple of cases with Phoenix and Edgeworth working together so yeah I I don't know I really liked it I I think a lot of people consider it like an uncle niece relationship which I also like it's not that different like fundamentally Mm. but to me it felt like oh yeah we're exploring sibling relationships through this whole kind of case and I really like that yeah same it feels like it's been a while since we had a really good one like I feel like probably in the trilogy Mia and Maya were like extremely good even though (laughs) Mia was dead the whole time um (laughs) but like yeah I feel like I don't know well then we also have Edgeworth and Francisca no never mind I I really liked Oren Black uh, Oren Blackwell yeah it's hard to say that because it should be Oren Simon really but I just never call a prosecutor by their first name that's not true I call Clavier by his first name anyway you said Francisca, and I was like, hey, where is, like, 3D Francisca? <laughs> I got Francisca <laughs> as well. Yeah, never mind. I just, uh, something about Blackwell makes me want to use his last name, and it makes it confusing. Oh, no, 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 like, it was, like, a Shanine question, like, hey, if we're seeing everyone, spoilers, but if we're seeing everyone <laughs> in 3D, I want to see Francisca. Yeah, it's true. Wish she was here. No, I was just going to say, is it a game? Or did I just read this wrong, because, you know. Uh, but was it the game trying to imply that Aura had, like, feelings for, like, Athena's mom? I honestly was surprised by this because I knew that people shipped them, but that's not very surprising. And the line in the case is like, did I write it down? Uh, no, I just wrote Aura slash Metis. <laughs> yeah, so I can't remember exactly how it comes up, but someone says, like, oh yeah, so Aura and Metis worked together when, when Metis was still alive. And Aura, someone says to Aura, like, I know you really wanted her approval, like, as a work partner or something like that. And she says, you know it was more than that. And then the judge judge makes some stupid comment, like, oh, I don't understand what that could possibly be. Because, you know, he's the judge. Mm. And then Athena says, like, don't press her on it, basically. Like, oh, the judge is being insensitive, basically, like that. It's really, I don't know what they (laughs) meant by that if they weren't implying it, you know? So yeah, in my opinion, absolutely. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, because it seemed like way too radical for them to like actually <laughs> imply it in the right way. Yeah, as exactly. To, like whatever they do all the time. <laughs> well, this game is a bit later than the others, so you know we're getting into. <laughs> you know, but I like. I in feel Ace like twenty twenty fifth, they're gonna say they were gay. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. I don't know. I think it's meant to be like you can interpret it however you want but like I'm seriously gonna interpret it that way obviously so (laughs) it's weird. It's not weird. It's good but I it's it's hard to tell. Mm -hmm. Uh, They should have been explicit about it. I mean that would have made the whole thing a lot more like good you know. Yeah. I just remembered though, thinking about the end of Ace Study 2 and how this case has a lot of similarities to it, they do heavily imply that Adrian Andrews had a crush on uh, Celeste Impacts. So mm. they may have been drawing a parallel there, you know? Or, you know, again, in the same way, they may be um, putting the same kind of vague feelings out and then letting you interpret them how they want. So <laughs> I think it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting parallel, at least. Yeah. Um. 
we have finally reached the part in my notes where I can talk about Edgeworth <laughs> coming back. <laughs> uh, there he is. Uh, looks god awful in 3D. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> no, he looks really bad. Like, that's the one. Like you, you've been building in this case, right? Of like, yeah, like the sprites had like their own charm. I was like, yeah, you know, it's it's fun. I use my three slider and my console. Blah, blah. <laughs> But seeing Edge World now, it was like, oh. I think there was, like, one sprite that was, like, kind of, like, I don't know, acceptable. But the others, no. I don't know what the fuck is going on there. He looks so bad. His eyes kind of, like, melt. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Oh, it's a tragedy. (laughs) I have been... Keeping my mouth shut about this since Turn About Academy, because uh, I wrote in my notes... Do you remember I wrote in my notes on that one, like... Uh, a very important guest smiley face because that's what they say in the in the text of the game and um, mm-hmm. you thought it was Edgeworth but it was Clavier and I was like no I was just being polite about Clavier I like Clavier it's fine <laughs> <laughs> knowing full well I was waiting for Edgeworth to show up again you know it's funny I did not know that he was going to show up until the fucking walkthrough until the fucking walkthrough gotta, let me know you gotta be so careful <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a spoiler. Um, Edgeworth is a fun addition to this case for many reasons. One being that it's Miles Edgeworth. Um, there <laughs> is some gay shit that happens, and there is some stuff about the Dark Age of the Law, which is mm. yeah, exactly. Um, I think we'll get to it as we go through it, but I think having him here is still important to that uh exploration they're doing. Unfortunately, I don't think it can save the fact that they don't explore it. <laughs> but <laughs> the funniest thing that happens is he shows up. There's a little anime cutscene about him being like, "Oh my god, hi, I'm here. I'm gonna like come and help you save the day, whatever." Uh, his music starts playing. I immediately lost it. And then they're talking, like they're just like catching up or whatever. And Edgeworth says, "Don't we have more pressing issues to discuss?" And then you go into the talk menu, and the first, the topic that appears, the only topic on there is Miles Edgeworth. And I was like, "Yeah, Phoenix has his priorities straight." <laughs> we learn in this conversation that Edgeworth told Phoenix, like once, once Phoenix is his name had been cleared for presenting false evidence, and. Edgeworth basically, according to this text, pushes him to get his badge back. And like, uh, later on, they talk about how apparently it was like smoother than it should have been, which heavily implies that Edgeworth like pulled some strings that he shouldn't have, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is very funny. Uh, In order to get Phoenix's badge back, and he specifically did it because he was working on proving Blackwell's innocence and he believed that only Phoenix could do it, which is one, gay, and two, a very... (laughs) A very interesting plotline because so Edgeworth is the chief prosecutor now and we don't really know what the fuck he was doing during the seven year time skip but he clearly now is very invested in not only making the law good again I mean he has been this whole time if you if you believe that investigations actually happened which they don't really seem to <laughs> talk about um let alone Apollo Justice an actual mainline game of I think we may have mentioned that once or twice already. But he's also clearly invested in Blackwell, who is his, you know, subordinate, and Phoenix. So it's like... Oh, it's cute. (laughs) It's cute. I was going to do analysis, but what the fuck? I'm just happy to have Edgeworth here. And he's like... (laughs) Yeah. They talk about the Dark Age of the Law, and they do not reference investigations or Apollo Justice. It's extremely weird. 
Once again, they talk about, quote, lawyers and prosecutors were supposed to trust each other and pursue the truth together. It literally never happened. You made six games about it. That's what I wrote in my notes. Uh, we're in an age now where winning is valued more than truth. That literally was the always the thing that you made six games about it. That coming from Edgeworth's mouth, that's the one that got me the most, I think, because it was Edgeworth who valued winning more than truth. That's his whole arc. And then he was like, ugh. It's fine. It's fine. It's bad, but it's fine. It's just funny, funny that the anime cutscene is like, he's just like cheating in his office. And he's like, <laughs> oh, he's been here the whole time. Like, okay. I don't know. It's funny. Like, I imagine like him being like 15 minutes away of like everything that's been going on. Uh, and at some point he's like, oh yeah, I should show up. Um, <laughs> yeah, we find out that Phoenix and Edgeworth have been talking on the phone about the Dark Age of the Law this whole time. And it's like, you couldn't have been at any of these crime scenes. Like, you didn't care that the courtroom got blow up. Like, what's the what's going on? It's anyway. like, you hear the, I, can I make this sound in like my mic? But the blop sound of like a, <laughs> a bottle of wine opening. And he'd be like, so what do you think about the Dark Age of the Law on a Friday night? Yeah. There are many fix about this, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's actually really funny. Like, when they were talking about how Edgeworth... Like, I knew that Edgeworth... Okay, here... <laughs> I gotta talk about... We gotta we gotta do a five-minute fanfiction uh, analysis of Ace Teddy okay. for a minute. So, the most written-about time period in Ace Teddy fanfiction, I reckon, is the seven-year time skip, especially when it comes to mm. Edgeworth and Phoenix as a couple, as a ship, because there's a lot of potential there. It's gener- not generally accepted, but like one of the most popular interpretations is that like obviously they would not have like through the trilogy, like yeah, the trilogy takes place over three years, but like in Ace Twenty One, Edgeworth is a fucking wreck the whole time. In fact, in Ace Twenty Two, Edgeworth is a wreck the whole time. But like also, he just came back from the dead in the last case, and Phoenix is rightfully pissed off with him. And then he immediately goes to Europe again, and then like runs back when Phoenix is in the hospital. So like they don't actually spend a lot of time together. So the usual interpretation is like over the gap, they like basically get to know each other a lot better because you know they. They're not just in these like wild situations the whole time. Um, so that is where like a lot of Ace Teddy Phoenix Edgeworth fan fiction happens, but not very much. Like, and then like a lot of it is either like within the events of, uh, of Apollo Justice or like basically immediately afterwards. So it's in that period where like Phoenix gets his badge back. Again, that's another thing that people like really like to explore. And one of the things that people write about often is like. Edgeworth helping Phoenix to study for the bar exam again, stuff like that. So uh. when it comes up in this, that Edgeworth basically just like somehow, I don't like, it's not made clear, but I, I'm really imagining like Edgeworth just basically forging the documents to get Phoenix's badge back. <laughs> it's so funny to me. And um, yeah, I think like, I definitely like that kind of colored my, uh, like having, having sort of swum in that fan fiction like culture for a long time it definitely like colored how i remembered like this this part of this game which is mostly ignored i think in those fan fictions mostly because they're written i think a lot of them were written like either they were written before this game came out because there was a pretty long gap between apollo justice and dual destinies or like or they just ignored your destinies because it's not as good of a game <laughs> although personally i think i enjoyed it more than apollo justice but it's definitely not as much as a popular game Anyway, I'm so off track. What was I talking about? Yeah, they don't really talk about, like, the whole Black Quill, like, how Black Quill plays into this, like, 
situation that Edra set up um, as much. Sometimes they do. But uh, yeah, it it's very funny to hear just like Felix be like, yeah, it was really easy to get my badge back, actually. Like, <laughs> my boyfriend just pulled some strings, it's fine. He's the chief prosecutor now, so he can just do that, I guess. Anyway. It's funny that you're talking about, like, all of this. Because, like, as a first-timer of, like, this game, I got a bit worried because it's, like, <laughs> I cannot tell you, like, the exact amount of time or anything. But like, the first few conversations, at least on my end, between them were, like, extremely, like, I don't know, like, not implying anything at all, like, on purpose. And I was like, mm, what are they doing here? And then they kind of, like, let themselves go a bit more as the case goes on. But at first I was like, hmm, what are we going to try and, like... Because they were, like, trying and, like, beat them as, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, lifetime, lifelong, like, trials or something. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, yeah, it's not just about, like, trial stuff. But, yeah, I don't know. They picked it up again afterwards. But at first I was like, hmm, I don't... What the fuck are they doing here? Yeah, that's interesting, um, actually. I definitely can see that. But luckily, I'm glad that they did not continue with it. <laughs> um, if, you, uh, if you don't have anything else to say on Edgeworth, I can finally move on to talking about Athena again. <laughs> I don't think so. No, it's cool to have him again. It the is. voice is really weird. Mm, yeah, it also is. Uh, I, I think the voicing any of the characters was a mistake, but that's a, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the anime costumes just don't really do anything for me. I mean, it's kind of interesting to see, like, the... I mean, there are, like, basically bugs under their eyes. Or, like, that, that typical, like, mark under their eyes that shows, like... And there was someone's, like, in their 40s or something like that, or, like, close <laughs> to their 40s. Even though, I think I look at Edgeworth, like, uh, profile, and I think it says he's, like, 34. He, he's 34. Um, yeah. And it's... Yeah, it's so funny to me. Ace is thinks you die when you turn 40. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like that detail, but yeah, just hearing the voice is just, no, no thank you. <laughs> yeah, they made him English, I think, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, people, people... Uh, he sounds like he's like, I don't know, he has like a deeper voice than he could ever have. <laughs> like, like, I always picture like Phoenix having like um, Edgeworth being the one with like the deep voice and another Phoenix. But this was like, just like, like a cranky old man almost <laughs> sometimes. That's shouting and it's like this this isn't him, like it's weird. Yeah. There's a lot of bad feelings about Edward's voice in this, and there's a lot of bad feelings about the 3D models, so mm. Mm. But yeah, we go we go speak to Athena in the um detention center, and I think the main thing well, there's a main thing that happens here, which is that we learn about her backstory, uh about her growing up in the um space center and she because she can hear people's emotions through their voices she was quite like she found it very difficult to like go to school and stuff and she had these big like headphones that she had to wear and stuff and also because she didn't spend a lot of time around other kids she spent a lot of time around the robots and she uh didn't really know the difference between robots and people and like and also because like the robots are supposedly like have emotions and stuff which reads so badly in 2023, but also, like, like last episode I talked about how much I like them, but this episode I was like, I don't know that it ever, like, hit that well, to be honest, like, when you actually get into their backstory more. Um, but Athena's backstory really worked for me. Like, I really liked having... Like, I really liked... I, I just really like Athena. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the idea of this, like, kid who grows up around robots and, like, clearly has, like, problems um, communicating with other people. Um... A lot of people uh, read Athena as neurodivergent and like it's very 
easy to do so in my opinion and I yeah I really really like Athena <laughs> Um, obviously the stuff about her not knowing the difference between robots and people comes up as like a plot point, but I think that honestly, just as a characterization thing, it's, it's more interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the only other thing that I wrote down in this one is that they call, uh, Blackwell straight as an arrow, meaning straightforward and like not, you know, just straight, straightforward in general. However, I did immediately think, is he the only prosecutor who I think is straight in the whole game? Yes, I, it is. <laughs> <laughs> what about God? I think Godo and Mia are a bisexual for bisexual relationship. Hmm. <laughs> you know, the pain. Yeah, the right. pains are definitely both straight, but they don't count. <laughs> They're barely characters. Um. Uh, the other thing that happens with Athena is that we see the black psyche logs again. Remember how we didn't learn shit about fuck from the last time? <laughs> when when we talked about them with Kristoff, I I had forgotten that they come up. I thought we see them with Kristoff and we never see them again. And obviously I didn't want to say that, but then I looked them up on the wiki and I remember reading from the wiki in that episode and everything I was reading is what they explained them to be in this game. Yeah. And... At the time, I was like, I don't think that's a spoiler because I was, like, vague about it. So when they bring them up in this game and they're like, oh, it's a subconscious secret that you can't, like, they don't know they keep them from themselves and if you try and break them, it'll be bad. That's fine. But because they came up with Kristoff, it doesn't, like, they don't retroactively make any sense for Kristoff. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like what they wanted to do with that is like make a cool like weird unexplained mystery with Kristoff which I don't really think worked in the first place but then they retroactively made it make even less sense (laughs) so yeah I don't really know what they were going for there but it didn't really work for me it's a shame because once again there is a lot of potential in that uh because it's kind of like oh yeah this gimmicky mechanic I mean it's not that gimmicky I would say proceed is more gimmicky. But it's like, it's this mechanic that you already like know about and you use a lot. And then they subvert it and they wait the right amount of time to do so. And it's kind of like, oh, this is cool. And yeah, it's just weird. Like if this is the first time that they were doing that, it was going to be so fucking good. Yeah. Because again, like with Kristoff, it's kind of like, oh, what's this? Ah, uh, don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> And it kind of fits in with the theme here, right? About, well, not really a theme, but like the the thing they always talk about with psychology. I didn't really find that part of this game very interesting, but it definitely would fit to introduce this new thing with the psyche logs. And like you say, it's like, it would have been like a weird surprise to have it do something it's never done before. So yeah, I agree. If this was the first time it came up, it would have been interesting. But it just, I was just like, uh, what is going on? Because <laughs> it doesn't fit at all with the previous thing. Hmm. Yeah, and nothing else on that because I am ready to talk about the trial. We this is gonna be a long episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh no, let's go to the trial. Okay. Ruined bombed out courtroom where this trial is taking place. That was that's sick, IMO actually. That was good. <laughs> like of yeah. course they were gonna do it, but yeah, it was uh it's it, it works for me. I know writers who use up there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and also Finally, once again, time to uh, time to have Phoenix and Edgeworth face off against each other. I just saw that DM you sent me with uh, Athena's earring because I wrote in it, I really want this moon <laughs> earring. <laughs> Maybe I'll get it. Um, trial opens with, firstly, Edgeworth saying, glory shall be returned to the court system. No, 
firstly, returned from, like, it's never been once again. And two, just such a pretentious thing to say. <laughs> um, and then immediately after that, we get an anime cutscene where they are just flirting. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and I'm like, your subordinate is on trial and your daughter has been kidnapped. Like, get it together, Phoenix. And then the judge literally says, like, I can't remember what he actually says because I wrote if the two of you are done flirting as my interpretation of that line. But he literally says something like, okay, if if you're ready to continue or whatever, like he interrupts them basically. <laughs> uh, oh, and then a phoenix immediately after after that says the immense tension between us. It's like we're picking up where we left off. So as you were saying earlier, they, they bring it back to the old phoenix and Ezra. Yeah. Um, yeah, by this point I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no. I was wrong. <laughs> And it's really interesting because in this case, like, obviously we're defending Athena, but basically what Edgeworth is doing is defending Blackwell. And it feels like they're bringing in just a little bit of investigations here where, yes, he was always prosecuting, allegedly, but he was always ending up defending somebody because of how the game uh, actually plays out. So that was uh, that was nice. I liked it. Um, yeah, so one of the things that I thought was weird about this is that Edgeworth does his usual shit where he's like always getting the judge on side and stuff and this was when i was like oh like he does this psychology stuff better than blackwell has ever been shown to do <laughs> so like it's kind of weird like again like i said they just don't really show up very well with blackwell uh but i thought it was funny that they managed to do it with edgeworth <laughs> um and then this uh this trial basically like i said it's interesting because we're defending Athena, but we also don't believe that Blackwell did it. So this is this trial is mostly about Metis at first. And so Blackwell, like we said, has been accused of the crime for years and, and convicted of it. And he admitted to it, but uh, Aura believes that it must have been Athena because like there's no one else it could have been basically and obviously she doesn't believe it was her brother and then we also have this idea that it was this spy who everyone keeps calling the phantom but like at first you're kind of defending black hole and athena at the same time without like having anyone to pin it on and it's really interesting i think but like it's difficult to talk about this trial because like a lot happens in it it's a long trial i think Mm -hmm. and i think okay the way the way i want to talk about it which is fairly obvious or fairly, fairly predictable, <laughs> is that it is so interesting to me from Edgeworth's perspective <laughs> because he is basically accusing Athena and he sort of goes back and forth. So the thing about Athena having allegedly done the crime, obviously we don't really believe that she did at any point. It's a similar thing to like with the lighter. But it would have been like when she was a little kid. And so it's very similar to DL6, right? And to Edgeworth's backstory. So when he's like accusing her of it and just being like, you know, I don't want to do this, but like I kind of have to, uh, partly because it's my job and partly because like Aura Blackwell will kill a bunch of hostages if I don't. He's just like very straightforward about it most of the time. But then he also like goes back and forth, like sometimes being harsh about it. Like, oh yeah, kids can do terrible things in a very, uh, again, like a very uh, DL6 type way. And then... Mm. also being like i don't know i feel like i was definitely reading this into it but it felt like to me he was going about this in a way where he was like if i recreate the events of the fourth case of the first game which whose name i can't remember but the you know when edgeworth was on trial if i recreate that that's gonna be the best way for phoenix to figure out the truth of this because it's happened to me before and i know i can do it again and also like i remember talking about this with um 
the fifth case as well, like, there's very similar, and that's very deliberate, obviously. Like, Edgeworth being like, yeah, well, kids can, kids can do fucked up things with Emma and everything, right? So I felt like this was, like, a repeat of that again, but with, like, a much more mature Edgeworth, and it was really interesting in that way. Like, obviously, they don't really explore it that much, but there was enough there that I could spin my wheels about. <laughs> yeah, I didn't tie that much into, like, uh, previous cases. But I was like thinking about like in a similar in similar lines of like oh this feels like not like Edgeworth trying to like like act or something like that like different on purpose but it kind of felt like that at some point being like oh I'm gonna like have this posture that it's not great like I know it's not great but I'm doing it on purpose to like actually help Phoenix that was like my line of thinking and it, it was yeah it was interesting to see it in that way which again maybe if you're saying this. As a first time, like if this is your first game, <laughs> you're kind of seeing it as the edge worth of like the first few games, or he's just like, like I was constantly like, oh, this guy's an asshole, like all the time. Uh, and this is kind of like, yeah, he going back to like those roots. But when you have all of that context and all of that history between them, it feels different, I think. Yeah. I wouldn't credit the writers of this game <laughs> to that much, but that's like my take on it. I feel vindicated because I was like, it's a fucking reach to say that Edgeworth is is acting in that way. And yet I feel Oh no, you feel like that. Okay, good. (laughs) So a couple of Phoenix lines, one on one side where he says, Don't lecture (laughs) me on matters of the heart. I don't know what he meant to Edgeworth specifically. I don't know what the fuck he meant by that except being like (laughs) There's no there's no way for me specifically to read that. And not for it to be, like, a line for a fanfic where, like, the night before they were having some argument about how, like, um... (laughs) Or, like, not even an argument. It's, like, a callback to how, like, Phoenix had to confess to him first because Edgeworth, like, wouldn't do it, etc, etc. Like, I... Like, what the fuck? Like, there's nothing else. I'm sorry. That's the only way I can take it. (laughs) And then, uh, on the other end, uh, there's one part where they like run out of evidence etc you know how it is in trials and phoenix is talking about how like oh he will always believe in athena and blah blah blah. but then he says but what if and i was like phoenix wright would never say this that was the worst line in the whole case uh phoenix wright would believe in anyone until the end but especially athena like come on Hmm. Uh, the other thing which makes it difficult to talk about this case is like there's some real leaps of logic and like of oh we've just remembered like athena's remembered something conveniently or like i don't know it was it was it happens in a lot of the games and a lot of the trials, and it's fine, but it was noticeable compared with some of the others, I think. Yeah, I feel that, like, again, like, you kind of expect some things to, like, happen again. But I think, like, my biggest takeaway, and I don't want to, like, I didn't want to, like, say it now, because it's kind of like we still have, like, half a try to go over there. But, like, my biggest takeaway is, like, they just cannot let go of the past in, like, so many ways. But at the same time, they are kind of like selective about what they don't want to like reminiscence or whatever, yeah. uh, which is like what we were talking about in like the first part of the episode. And it's like, I don't know, either you go all in and you just make the trilogy again mm. um, or yeah, because it's like all of the thematic like developments or like even <laughs> achievements sometimes that happen <laughs> don't matter anymore. No. And yeah, it's. It's weird. And again, I don't want to make it all about Apollo, but I keep thinking about it. Well, I just got to the part of my notes where shit happens with Apollo. 
Um, oh, there we go. So this is a good time to talk about it. Um, I can't remember mm. exactly how it happens, but basically they decide that it must have been the Phantom who killed Metis. Or like, that's resolved in some way that I don't exactly remember. But then Apollo takes to the stand and is like, okay, fine. But what about Clay? And like reveals that he has been like on this whole crusade thing because he sort of suspects that it was Athena who killed Clay. We found out earlier in the investigation that she was actually at the space center and was like apparently just passed out the whole time. So yeah, this is kind of Apollo's explanation for his behavior. Um, please take it away. <laughs> no, I mean, I was just like, yeah, remembering the whole thing. And it's kind of like the way it plays out is like, oh yeah, Apollo has been like, except for like the flashback case. Or, like, no flashback case, but, like, past case. Mm. Whatever. Um, do this in this bullshit. Um, <laughs> but, but it's kind of like, oh, you kind of see Apollo. It's like, oh, yeah, he has, like, a like an eye patch or, like, bandages. Uh, he's wearing the jacket and whatnot. He's mysterious. He doesn't say much. He's kind of rude. And he, yeah, he shows up in the middle of the trial. And he's like, hey, but what if she's, like, good to do? And then it's kind of like, no, I'm doing this because I need to, like, basically bring up the doubts that I have about her so I can like fully trust her again once this is over something like that or once like they threw this uncover or whatnot yeah and then it's kind of like you have a few more steps have yet another anime I mean there's stuff in between but then you have like another anime cutscene where they're like well it seems you don't need like all of those bandages anymore or something like that because <laughs> you're fine now and yeah he's like yeah I'm fine now uh and there he is the Whatever it means to see, like, the classic Apollo again. And the three of them are in the stand and blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of like, it seems when, you, like, this whole arc was, when you get in, into an argument with someone and you're mad with them for, like, two days and then it just <laughs> passes away. <laughs> Instead of, like, being, like, an actual crusade or something that, oh, yeah, this was, like, or, like, I don't know, I discovered this or, like, I, I lost fade completely in the, the legal system and just kind of like fuck off or I don't know like something else um, yeah like the game ended and I'm just like okay but who is a Apollo <laughs> I think it's like one line from like Phoenix being like oh this is so Apollo or like this is so you because he's like to him directly and it's kind of like is it really I'd never seen it I don't know I I'm disappointed because Again, I'm kind of feeling the same thing that you were talking about, of like not quite understanding. I mean, this maybe weren't your words, but it's like my feelings more like not quite understanding, like what the fuss is all about in terms of like, the fandom. <laughs> I um, think that's a bad way of putting it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still expecting to be surprised, but there's only one game left, and that's it. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't think he's in Marvel vs. Capcom, so <laughs> there's not going to be any lore there. <laughs> Yeah, I feel the same. Here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. We talked last time about how we were confused because you never find out what the eye patch is for because you he, he has it before the bombing and they never reveal what it was in the last case. I got to the end of this case and I realized I still didn't know. I had to Google it. Did you... Like, I'm... I'm Given that it came up on Google and people knew what the answer was, well, firstly, it came up and people were asking about it, so not everyone understood. But I'm willing to say, you know, maybe I just missed a few lines. That's fine. But did you get it when you played it? No. See? I actually want to go now because <laughs> I, I, I still don't you. know. Okay. 
he could feel that Athena was like hiding something in a similar way, I guess, to the Black Psyche Logs that Phoenix could feel. And so he shut off one eye so that he couldn't use Perceive because I guess he needs both eyes for that. Which doesn't make any fucking sense because surely he would have had to take the bracelet off. That would have been much more efficient. Um, hmm. But I guess that's why he like doubted Athena because he could tell that like she was holding something back, I guess. But that makes no fucking, like, it doesn't make any sense. And I know they just did it because they wanted to give him a cool character look and that's fine. But I think it's very funny that we both got to the end of this and were like, I still don't know what the fuck the answer was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they could have made, like, a justification for it and make it, like, cool. Like, actually cool. Weird. Yeah, I was surprised by how easily he chose to, like, take off the bandage. And now it's kind of like, oh, there was a reason. But yeah, I mean, I'm playing the game. So I'm like, <laughs> basically like doing everything. I surely have like missed anything. Right, exactly. Uh, and I had no idea. Yeah. And the funniest thing about taking the bandages off is like, okay, in that case, yeah, taking the eye bandage off, you know, there's no injury to his eye. So it's not a problem to take it off. But he also takes off all the bobbing bandages where he was actually <laughs> injured. So like, I don't know about that one. <laughs> But yeah, they wanted to give the classic... Like, from an actual, like, you know, thematic character narrative, it's fine. But that also still has to make sense narratively. <laughs> or, like, in Like, this is know. my my non-critic takeaway. It's like, I wanted for that look of, like, Apollo to be, like, my new Abby for, like, Discord and social media <laughs> stuff. And they did not give me any reason to do it. Uh, that's, like, my biggest disappointment. Damn. Mm-hmm. What a shame. So... Yes, Apollo um, ends up coming back on side. Like like you said, it's very quick and it doesn't really... It's very thin, I think. But the reason that he does that is because... And I didn't write down how and I don't remember, even though I only played this yesterday. We end up finding out that Fulbright was the phantom, basically. Or, you know, we still have to do like a two-hour argument about it, but we know already at this... Um, and yep. Apollo, like you said, Apollo, Athena, and Phoenix all end up on the same side of the bench, like, working together to prove it. Um, and I like that, although Apollo doesn't yeah. really do shit in that, now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> but it's still nice. And right before, like, we get on the stand, get him on the stand and, like, start breaking him down, there's, like, a nice moment where firstly, Aura comes and she's like, I didn't come to apologize if that's what you're thinking, and I <laughs> It's really, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad. Like you said, I, I'm glad they didn't, like, make her take take stuff back, basically. There is, like, a moment where, like, she starts crying, and I'm like, yeah, you have to have a crying animation in the bank for every single female character, I guess, which annoyed me, but, like, the rest of it was fine. Mm. Um, and also, they also get Blackwell to take over from Edgeworth, which, obviously, I was kind of sad about, but it is better to have Blackwell here. And it goes back into this, like... Like I mentioned earlier, Athena especially, but also Phoenix and Apollo, sort of working together with Black Quill to like break Fulbright down, which is nice because one, it's this thing about like, oh, lawyers and prosecutors are supposed to work together. Um, two, it it's good for Black Quill. It feels like Black Quill gets his uh, revenge in a way, <laughs> or like, you know, like he deserves to be involved in this for sure and it's like a nice ending to his arc I, I I really enjoyed what they did with Black Hole in this game to be honest like I said I shouldn't have been surprised I said this in a previous episode but I shouldn't have been surprised because they always do well with prosecutors but I definitely went into this like not really feeling strongly about Black Hole and like not really remembering his arc that well like I knew what happened but I never was like oh yeah I really like Black Hole's story whereas I've come out of it like hell yeah I love Black Hole. <laughs> 
Uh, or as, as I wrote here, maybe Black Hole slaps, actually. <laughs> I don't remember what I was talking about, but you know what? Yeah. And also there's a line right before Apollo, like, takes off his bandages and everything and comes over. And he's, like, a little bit insecure about, like, having gone through all of this. Which I think that's a nice Apollo moment. It's, like, a little bit more character than he usually has, at least. And he's like, are you sure you want me to come back? And Phoenix says, our office is pretty short-handed and you're all I've got. <laughs> That's so fucking cold. <laughs> like, I'm sure he's joking, but Jesus Christ. God, and there's another line here where Edgeworth goes off to, like, look for some ed- evidence and stuff and obviously to make room for Blackwell. And Felix is like, thanks so much for your help, blah, blah, blah. And he says, I expect to be repaid with a victory. Fanfic-ass line. Um, but very <laughs> good. That whole conversation right before the trial, I really enjoyed. Uh, except for the aura crying moment, but that's fine. Uh, and then we have the final push on this trial <laughs> with Fulbright. Um, broadly, how did you feel about the Fulbright reveal? It's interesting that he's fucking dead. Like, that's <laughs> yeah i was gonna get to that part but go ahead yeah yeah it's kind of like i mean the way the structure is like oh it's fulbright actually and i was like oh because i like when they started talking about oh yeah the, like one of the three people that led the investigation in the space station must have been like one of them and i was like kind of like trying to memorize being like, are they going to introduce like a new character that we haven't seen before? Mm. Because we literally seen every character that they introduced in like one capacity or another by this point. So I was like, there's nobody else unless they just there's like somebody new. And when they were like, when the thing about Fulbright like came into the picture, I was like, oh, this is interesting because I was not expecting it. Like I was not expecting it. I thought he was just like a goofy ass detective <laughs> that, that was like replacing Gamshu basically. Yeah. And that was it. So they got me. And then it's kind of like you start talking about him, like trying to like pressure him. And like he, when he quote unquote breaks, his stance is basically like, yeah, I'm working for the Phantom. Like the Phantom has like kidnapped my family and he's like threatening me or something <laughs> like that. Um, So I'm just doing what he told me or whatever. I said, yeah, but I never seen his face. Like, I, I don't know who they are. And there's like stuff with Black Widow. I'm sure you're gonna get to in like more detail. And then it's kind of like, oh no, actually, actually, Fulbright has been dead for like I don't know how long, but like a long time. And that's when you realize, like, oh, you, you have no idea who this person is. I think it was interesting. I think it would be more interesting in like really another game, like any other <laughs> game, um, because if Ace Attorney has always. May not like successfully like pull off, but always try to is like have like an interesting enemy or whatever, if you want to call it that way. Yeah. And this one felt like, oh, we have this trump card. If we at some point in the series don't know what to do, we can use this. <laughs> um, that's how it felt to me. But yeah. Yeah, I think to me the thing about it is that it's fine, especially in this case. Like, like I said, this case overall was pretty satisfying at least like the Fulbright thing felt to me like okay this is a good way of like resolving the whole Aura and Blackwell stuff Aurora, uh, Athena and Blackwell is what I'm trying to say um but also Aura yeah 
you know, it, he's like a plot device, right? In terms of being an actual character and being like, like I've mentioned this before, it feels like they're trying to do Mountain Guard again. And he just doesn't have an interesting motive. Whereas the whole Mountain Guard case, like you learn over and over again how much, like how evil he is basically. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, it's just like, yeah, I was a spy and I was trying not to get caught. And like, it just led me into doing all these different stuff. And like, I guess he was spying to like get a head in this new space race that they've been talking about but like it's just not as compelling at all and uh i think it was funny that you mentioned like yeah he goes through this part in in this part you know when you're when you're investigating or like cross-examining him a bunch of times his he like comes up with this excuse where he's like oh no i was just being controlled by the phantom like i i don't know who it is blah blah blah. and uh i wrote do you ever see the exact moment a case is about to go on too long (laughs) so yeah i think that's that's kind of where i settled on it and yeah then to pick up on the other thing that you mentioned like there's an interesting moment in this where when he says that when fulbright says oh i was just being controlled by the phantom blackwell says like pretends to believe him basically and it's like yeah i've known him for like a year he's been like trying to rehabilitate me and stuff and this is the only time where i guess this is supposed to be his psychology (laughs) like i mentioned they just don't really do much with it this is a time where they that is they say afterwards, like, they tell you that's what he was doing, basically. And it's, like, not really... It's not really, like, psychology to me. But it is nice that, like, he does it so that Athena can listen to him talk and, like, see whether he has the correct emotions and stuff. You know, like, that mechanic that we've been doing with Athena this whole time. And, um... Yeah. So that's nice. Like, it's... Like I said, it goes back to that working together type thing. And it goes back to, like, this uh, sort of familial relationship that they have, which is... You know, both of those things are nice. I'm glad that that happened. But I also was just like, I wish they would explore this Black Quill, Fulbright relationship a bit more. Like, it would be fucked up. Like, the whole of Black Quill's story is fucked up, right? And like I said, I have really become... (laughs) I have really become endeared to Black Quill. But like, one of the things they don't get into is like, how fucked up it would be to have like a police officer who has been like trying to rehabilitate you this whole time while you're on death row so I don't really understand what rehabilitation like they were quote unquote hoping for I mean it's a trick anyway (laughs) but like I don't like like you have known this guy for a year and like okay they don't exactly get on or anything and like Blackwell doesn't mention this but like Fulbright actively was like torturing him with like electric shackles and shit which is obviously fucked up but like I still think that there would be like this incredible betrayal to learn that that person was like the person who put you in jail in the first place on a, for a crime that you didn't commit, basically. I don't know, like, I felt, I wish they'd explored that more. Or like, basically, oh my, basically what I'm saying is, there, I'm sure there is, and I need to go looking, a good fanfic out there about like the actual relationship between Blackwell and Fulbright and like what it would have been like for Blackwell to realize that this guy who had mostly seemed to have been on his side in a very fucked up, like, prison industrial complex way was actually completely evil. I don't know. It's a weird one. I wish they'd gotten to it more. But then again, they never really go into, like, this is a very investigations moment where they could have explored a lot more about the legal system and did not. I was exactly thinking about, like, Simon Keys with this <laughs> and being like, oh, this is yet another person that the system has failed and they excluding the things that happen with Simon Keys, right? But kind of like the, the origin of, of it all is kind of the same. Like, there's like this line from fucking Edgeworth, again, being like <laughs> the classic Edgeworth, being like, oh, how is it possible that a police officer... No, wait, that someone like him could end up in the police force, something like that. And it's kind of like, really, after seven <laughs> games, 
<laughs> after seven games, I'm still had to listen to it. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, sorry, Edgeworth is still uh, like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, they like get into this huge argument and are both threatening to kill each other, which I think is extremely funny. And then, honestly. They should have let Blackwell kill him. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Edgeworth shows up again and is like, yeah, it turns out that... Full yeah, it turns there. out that Fulbright's been dead this and whole time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the evidence was fabricated. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, this basically eventually unravels. And then, no, we have an extended breakdown for, for Fulbright. Who who isn't Fulbright? Because we know that the actual detective called Fulbright is dead, but we never learn like who this guy is except for being a spy, basically. And he like rips off Fulbright's face to reveal Solomon Starbuck's face. And for a split second, I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> Even though yeah, same, I knew. Same, same. <laughs> um, so I actually thought that moment was pretty funny. Um, and they don't milk it. Like they don't try and make you believe it's him. Like immediately, you're like, "Oh, this is like another trick of his." And I, you know, I just thought it was really funny. And then it doesn't immediately go too far and he like has everybody's face after that but i kind of feel like they wrote themselves into a corner here where they were like oh it's just some guy that we will never know the name of and he's wearing this detective's face but then like how do we deal with him after that basically i mean he has like that interesting two like interesting bits i think mm. the first being like after that first like mask review whoever you want to call it <laughs> uh, unboxing try an unboxing <laughs> um he basically like impersonates phoenix for a while yeah and i think that would have been a good moment to lean on that fucking m rating um <laughs> and make him like more evil maybe because at some point he's like he basically quotes like i don't know he's like trying to like corner the actual phoenix and he says something like isn't this time when you're supposed to like put on the biggest smile or something like that and i was like oh okay but yeah nothing happens aside from that i think it's such a wasted opportunity to, to like because it's like Phoenix seeing himself and like he could have like, I don't know, made something more with that. And then the other bit is like, you don't see a face. And he's fucking shot by a sniper, which I was like expecting them to. And they did. And I was like, okay, this is cool. But that I'm glad felt... that they didn't go for like regular guy face. <laughs> that felt to me like, like I said, like I felt like the multiple faces thing was them being written into a corner, but then the sniper felt like the most written into a corner thing ever where they were like, oh yeah, we don't want to just like make a face for this guy. Like th there's nothing that's going to feel satisfying. And also I'm sure they didn't want to model a new face like just for one minute. So they were like, uh, what if he just gets shot? And he was like worried about <laughs> being shot that whole time. But yeah, it just felt like... It, it felt a little bit forced, but, like, it's fine. Like, I knew that they were going to do it. The other thing, which I think is funny, is that immediately after he gets fucking shot by a sniper, they're like, don't worry, he's fine. He wasn't hit in any major parts, and now we have him in custody. Oh, and I'm yeah, like, you should have just let him fucking die. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really understand what the point of that was. Yeah, because they imply, like, oh, there's a lot we want to know about. It. It's like, really? Is it? Is this spy gonna, like, tell you more than you know right now? <laughs> yeah. Weird. I want to go back a little bit, because there's a couple of things about this breakdown that I... Mm. Or, like, the Fulbright investigation in general that I didn't mention, which are... Uh, the first one is that something that they know about this spy is that he has, like, 
no emotions or like very subdued emotions and so they can use that through like the mood matrix to like find out things about him and then there is like a final sort of use of that gimmick where they have to find you have to like find what is the weird emotion again but it's like everything is going off at the same time and like one thing isn't and that's what ends up like getting to him and I don't know, it's, I think it's similar to what we were saying about the Black Psyche Logs, where it's like, oh yeah, it's good to have like a weird escalation of that mechanic at the end, just to be yeah. like, yeah, this is the mechanic, and we're just using it in a sort of new, final way. I don't know, I I thought that the thing about the emotions was like, again, a little bit forced, but like, it fit in with the themes of the, or like, how Athena works in general, I think, so it was alright. There's a rare W from the judge here, also. <laughs> is there? I don't remember this. Yeah. Like at some point, like like the Phantom is like going on, and like, hey, but you don't have actual evidence about this. He's like trying to like make Athena like dab herself. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of like like basically saying like, hey, you've been doing like this mood matrix shit, basically based on emotions. This is in evidence, and the choice is kind of like it is weird, but I'm gonna allow it basically. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, finally. <laughs> finally he's like considering something else without me having to like play three more hours of this um until he's convinced to do it yeah i mean as if the legal system of this world wasn't vibes based enough but yeah i mean in yeah. terms of <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. Of the narrative it makes sense and then the other thing that was interesting about it is that like the phantom is all like i don't feel fear i don't like need to trust anyone and stuff and they go through this whole like cheesy thing about how yes uh everyone needs to trust each other that's how the that's how uh human connection works that part was worked for me okay and then they were like that's how we're gonna get out of the dark age of the law and i was like i don't know about this one partly because like i i've mentioned this before like ace attorney's thesis that the legal system of the world i'm not sure that they're saying this about the world in general like the real world but of their world they think that the legal system should work by being based on trust between prosecutors and lawyers i have always liked that mostly because it's a mars edra thing to me but it is very funny when you think about it in the context of a real legal system. <laughs> but what they weirdly don't really do is be like, what we lost in the Dark Age of the Law was trust in the system, which they have mentioned a few times, but they don't make it explicit here. That like, they are drawing a connection between the trust that they have in each other and the trust that is integral to their legal system. And I don't know, maybe that wouldn't have worked for me because like I said, it's so cheesy and so f like far away from reality that maybe it wouldn't have worked. But I thought it was weird that they didn't even try and like connect the two things together, you know? Mm -hmm. I guess maybe it was more subtext, but I think they could have stood to be a bit more explicit about that one yeah um the other thing is that we do learn like a key piece of evidence is that athena's earring is made out of moon rock that her mom uh made for her and gave to her and it's supposed to be like a touching moment because athena doesn't really know whether her mom like they clearly didn't have a very good relationship and they kind of try and paper over this by being like oh no look she did care about you she gave you an earring and i don't think that <laughs> that didn't really work for me but I did quite like the, I don't know, the way it comes together, like Athena's been holding the evidence that she needed this whole time. It's very cheesy, but I don't know, that part I like. And I also think it's so funny that they were like, it's actually, they don't in any way think, oh, maybe it was ethically fucked up that Metis gave her daughter like a piece of moon rock that was supposed to be for like scientific experiments. And she was like, no, I'm just going to make it into an earring and give it to my daughter. <laughs> like they had to bring that back from fucking space. Anyway, it was very cheesy, but it partly worked for me. The relationship with between Metis and Athena, I don't think they 
give enough attention to in able to redeem it, but the the evidence part was kind of cute. Yeah. Uh, and that's the whole trial. There's some post-trial stuff uh, that we can get to, but did you want to mention anything else about that trial in particular? Uh, it's kind of weird how much Athena was like the prime subject or like the most gruesome anime cutscenes of the game. <laughs> over and over again. Uh, the one in the Moon Matrix, I mean, it's not a cutscene, but those like two sprites of her are kind of like, okay. Like, I don't know. It seems like they kind of designed Athena and being like, okay, this is going to be our fucked up character. <laughs> Um, weird. Weird one. Effective, but super weird. And not as effective when you think about the actual, like, story uh, with her mother and that. Yeah. And whatnot. So, yeah. I mean, maybe she'll come back. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so after this trial, uh, Edgeworth and Phoenix talk some more, and they're like, okay, now we can rebuild the legal system. And it's like, again? Mm. Like, again? <laughs> again? 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 <laughs> We've talked about this way too much, but I just had to bring it up. I mean, the the thing that I can add to this is that after Blackwell gets acquitted, uh, Edgeworth says, "Oh, this is brought. This is in the. This is in the um epilogue. You know, not the epilogue. The credits where they have like the people talking and stuff. And this is the last line of the game as well. This is the last thing that happens, pretty much. He says Blackwell's acquittal has brought all sorts of issues in the prosecutor's office to light. No." <laughs> Edgeworth always knew there was issues in the prosecutor's office. Like, that was his whole thing. It's, uh, it's a lot. Before that, also, they have the Athena crying sprite that they had to have. Like I mentioned, they had one for Aura, and now they have one for Athena. And Phoenix is like, there you go. Like, you can, like, express your emotions. It's good to not, like, pretend to be happy all the time. Which, again, is actually, for Athena, I think, a very good part of her arc. Or, like, you know, denouement to her arc. But it sucks, because, once again, we have already had it with Myra and Trucy. Like, if we hadn't have had it with them, it would have been a lot better. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, in general, they kind of imply that like, oh, working on the Dark Age of the Law is going to be an ongoing project for us, for, for Edgeworth and Phoenix especially. And um, I simply think that we should bear that in mind as we go into the next game and see how they deal with it. Because, you know, we have precedent of how they've dealt with it in investigations in Apollo Justice. I'm extremely ready to be extremely disappointed. <laughs> well, I think that's all I have to say about your destinies except obviously we have the dlc to come uh any there's that bit from aura or like about aura i think uh i should have written it down but it's kind of like them being like oh yeah like like there's one character who talk i think it's like it's ashworth i don't know but someone's like talking during like the credit sequence basically and they say like oh yeah uh i'm gonna need help in like aura's like trial or something like that and they're talking to somebody, and you don't know who that somebody is. And I was like, what are they foreshadowing here? Huh. I didn't know. Wait, I could just, like, fucking... I mean, we've been talking for two hours, like, <laughs> two more minutes isn't gonna do anything. Yeah, let's find out. Um, while okay. you do that, how about I tell you about the thing that I was gonna say earlier? Yeah, sure. I have made a mistake, and it's an interesting mistake. Um... I did not realize that Phoenix Wright versus Professor Layton came out before this game. It came out after Apollo Justice and before Dual Destinies. So, we are once again actually- Is there actual shit in that game? Um, for us, like- It is non-canon. Is there thematic stuff to talk about? I'm not sure. I want to play it, though, to find out, to find out, you know? <laughs> what do you think? Hmm. We can talk about it later. Okay, yeah. So, okay. It's, uh, Blackwell shows up 
in the uh, uh, Phoenix Wright, Wright Anything Agency or whatever oh, it's called. Oh, I remember this, yeah. And it's kind of like, no, I'm not employed here. Like, I simply came to request their services in defense of my sister. Uh, but no one's around, and I've been kept waiting for a long time. And he's like, and what sort of case brings you here? Oh, your father was accused, and you wish for Athena to defend him? Then perhaps he and I shall meet in a courtroom in the, new, in the near future. And it's kind of like, mm, who is he talking to? Because it's like, it's saying that there's nobody here. So <laughs> it should be like a different character. I don't know. I'm I'm curious about that now. Yeah. I wonder if they're just like saying that he's going to stay on as a prosecutor right now that he's free. Hmm. If they don't, if they don't do anything with this, <laughs> I'm going to be so mad. Well, uh, we will find out. Oh, uh, no. Okay. Uh, while you were talking about that, I just had a quick look at our episode lengths. I don't understand why this one is so... It's going to be the longest one by so far, but it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think as we I mean, get, you like... you can cut, like, the first 20 minutes. Uh, it was just, like, troubleshooting. We did have some troubleshooting. But I don't even have that on my recording because I wasn't recording. That was part of the trouble. So, anyway. It'll oh. be, uh... It will be shorter than two hours, but it will be still the longest episode, I reckon. I think that's interesting. I think, like, as we have more to compare it back to, we have more to talk about, which is interesting. Because, again, they waited for the last episode to do everything. Well, yeah, also that. All like, at once. This season overall has been shorter, like every other episode, but this one, uh, there was plenty to get into. Anyway, in two weeks, we will be doing the DLC case. And then after that, we will either be doing Professor Layton or we will be doing uh, Spirit of Justice. Cool. I'm surprised that you didn't talk about the rocket launch. What about it? I don't know. I thought <laughs> it would be like you being like the space person of it's this true. podcast. You would uh, be like, oh, there's this cool cutscene, like super <laughs> emoji at the end or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It's true. I mean, the thing is, like, I'm the space person, but I'm also the lawyer's person, and I just talked about the lawyers for two hours, so now I can't also talk about the space thing. <laughs> I Google like, how long it takes to be Professor Layton and Phoenix Wright uh, versus Phoenix Wright. <laughs> and there's this review from in Gadget from 2014 that says, Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright is around 30 hours long, and Jesus. its state of magic and witches suffers from accidental length. The story dances around the dark truth of Labyrinthia for the first 29 hours, drip-feeding little bits of blood as Layton and Wright try to prove Svela's innocence. It sounds like this game, which is very funny to me. Well, I don't know. let's think How about it. How long to it says 24 hours? Well, this game, <clears throat> on the uh, playthrough that I was watching, not including the DLC, was exactly 24 hours, so it's exactly the same length. Mm. Um, but it is a different format. Let's talk about it another time. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's all of your listeners. I have no idea what to expect from the DLC. <laughs> because, like, the last time we had a DLC, we had, like, the introduction of, like, an important character. And this time around, I don't think they're going to do the same thing. Oh, so. yeah. It's not anything like uh, the last DLC. In fact, I... Yeah, I never even considered those to be the same thing, but they technically are. No, this is a very, like... Is it even canon? I think I should check. Do you want uh. DLC? I know there is some DLC in, I think, but I think it's the Spirit of Justice one that isn't canon. Apparently this is, apparently this is debated, but I believe it's canon. Wow, okay. Anyway, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I only played this, um, so like a couple of years ago, I did a replay of Dual Destinies and Spirit of Justice. 
And then I played the DLC for the first time of both of those games. So that was the first time I ever played it. It was fairly recently. Hmm. So yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Are we are we finally wrapped up on this two hour long podcast? Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, okay, you can find me on Twitter at JM Castello, and you can find the show at Breakdown AA. And you can find me on Twitter at DRWisha66. And the ponies, the dark side of the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Not the Phantom Pain. No. I think we already did that one. I already mentioned. Yeah, it wasn't a pun. I was just like talking about it when we finished the trilogy. (laughs) Um, It was like one of my proposed puns. Yeah. Bye. See you for the DLC. The DLC? The DLC? Mm. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 